into, in other words. And today, my guest is Vicki Brick. Hello, Vicki. Welcome. Hello. This is interesting. Um, I work out at the particular um, one that, that Vicki – hello, let me try this again. I work out at the club that Vicki is the general manager of, so we see each other all the time. But she's in workout clothes, and I've never seen her in anything but business clothes. And I'm in business clothes, and she's never seen me in anything but workout clothes. So this was an interesting meeting for both of us. Anyway, first thing we want to know is how did it become a dynasty? What can you tell us about that? Well, what a lot of people don't realize, I don't think, is that my parents kind of fell into the fitness industry. They they met at Towson, and, and at the time, my dad was getting his master's in education. My mom was studying to be a registered nurse, and she ended up working for Shock Trauma, and then she minored in dance. So my dad saw an ad in the paper um, for someone to teach classes, and my dad was like, well, I'm a... I teach gym classes, not a big deal. I'll, let me answer this and uh-huh. make some extra cash. You know, they were uh-huh. a young married couple at the time. Right. And so my dad showed up to this class with jump ropes, agility cones, um, sports activities, and walked into a room full of women with leotards <laughs> and <laughs> expecting an aerobics class. No one had told him this? I just don't think he read it. I don't think he realized that when he answered the ad. After, like, the tenth time that someone got hit by, with a jump rope, he thought to himself, wait a second, my wife is a dan- you know, majored in dance or minored in dance at Towson University. Mm-hmm. Let me get her out here. So the next time the class was scheduled to go on, my dad threw my mom out there, and the first aerobics class my mom ever took was the one she taught. And then before she knew it, she was teaching 20 classes a week. Wow. They realized that they were really enjoying it. And my mom was actually the first person to ever do push-ups in an aerobics routine. Huh. And now it's like a staple requirement for all Is the routines. So they were that. starting to get some buzz from that. Uh-huh. Um, and my dad, being the marketing genius that he thinks he is, <laughs> tried to play off of that. An opportunity came about for them to purchase Pedonia Fitness Center, which uh-huh. is our very first location in Timonium. And they... Looking back, they say to themselves all the time they had no idea what they were doing. But once they got into it, they were like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to make payroll? Mm-hmm. They cried themselves to sleep. My dad tried to give the club back. The guy on the other line said, Victor, I thought you had more guts than that. Whoa. And my dad kind of pulled the phone away. <laughs> it, was, it, was a bit, it was a gut check. And he's like, you know what? We're going to do this. So my dad said, hey, why don't we have a sale? He took two of his group, uh, uh-huh. aerobics instructors, as I called them back in the day, uh-huh. put them in leotards and tights, put them right out on Pedonia Road, the corner of Pedonia and York Road, and had a sign that said, come on down to PFC, no initiation fee. And in that one day, they did 220 sales, turned the company around. Wow. And never really looked back since. <laughs> wow. So that's one. And yep. they made a success of it, obviously, because of your father's moments of marketing genius. <laughs> yeah, and we also had an amazing staff. We we were known as having the best group exercise classes around. So it was da- more dance, dancey classes. Mm-hmm. I think they changed it to group exercise to try to break down that stereotype so that more men, men would get yeah. involved. Because, yeah, you know, 25, 30 years ago, it was all women. So when my parents got involved in the industry, and they're kind of considered the pioneers of the industry. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I go to these fitness conventions and people come up to me and they're just like, wow, you're, I learned how to teach 
aerobics classes from your mom's video 20 years ago. So you're talking about not local. You're talking about national. Their internet, international. My parents, tra- when I was, um, when they opened Pedonia, I was four years old. My parents opened Pedonia and had my brother in the same year. When I was eight or nine years old, I just remember there's a consecutive summer. My parents were always on the road. And basically what they were doing is they were traveling all over the world mm-hmm. to go to these conventions where my mom, my dad would talk about business and marketing. And mm-hmm. So he did kind of have a knack for yeah. marketing. And my mom would teach people how to teach aerobics. And mm-hmm. um, my mom would tell stories about how she would teach master classes of three and 400 people and wow. do stuff, come up with moves or teach people with things with the rhythm that they've uh-huh. never heard of. And, and before there was the Internet and, and CDs, my parents made videotapes. Uh-huh. So one of the very first videotapes they made was how to teach aerobics. And so uh-huh. they went around to conventions and actually sold that. So let's fast forward a little bit. It's pretty clear how they got the money to open other clubs. Yeah. So what about Lynn Bricks? So our so – the. Pedonia was our first. Lindbergh, for people who don't know, is an all-women's club. Yeah, Lindbergh is our women's brand. My parents, or my mom, I think more so than anything, saw that there was a niche there. No one in Baltimore, no, not many people in the country were doing that. Yeah, but why would it be a good thing to do? Because it's a very non-intimidating environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of women don't like going to the gym. And this mm-hmm. is, back, you know, again, back in the day when you, gyms were known as, like, weightlifting, weightlifting places. places. Yeah. That was with the Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Gold's Gym yeah. and the World's Gyms and the bodybuilding. So we wanted to create a non-intimidating environment where women, yeah. And that's that's one thing about I've noticed that all the trainers are very knowledgeable. That did not used to be true. No. <laughs> the standard that we my mom sits on the, um, used to sit on the URSA board, which is the governing body for mm-hmm. the fitness industry. And one thing my mom really wanted to focus on was really raising the standard and raising the bar. But it wasn't, um, a standard held across the company, or I'm sorry, across the industry as much mm-hmm. as, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But now, have the requirements for certification changed, or is it just competition that's forced the people who don't know anything out of the business? I think it's competition. Ray. Oh, yeah. Ray, uh, one time I saw him, cause, because of I don't have a normal schedule, or life for that matter, <laughs> I work out at different uh, branches. And one time Al said, I haven't seen you around as much. And I thought, my gosh, he noticed. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's the little things you, that you, you uh-huh. find that make the difference, and it's the connections and the relationships. Yeah. So let's go uh, to a little bit more about you. One thing I want to know is it seems to me you're growing up in a household where fitness is not optional. Not really. Yeah. Now, is that just a good way to grow up, or was there pressure? Or what? There, I was fortunate. Well, there was no pressure. I mean, it was a great – it just seemed natural. It was never right. forced on us. Like, we, my parents spent a ton of time at the clubs when I was mm-hmm. little, and they would kind of just throw me there. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, like, eating potato chips, sitting on the rowing machine, just, like, <laughs> finding ways to entertain myself. I used to love the old school Stairmasters. I'd, I'd play on it and do all – I would oh, be, no, like – still the best one. Eight, eight or nine years old, doing different <laughs> programs. It's kind of in my own little world, maybe mm-hmm. even younger than that, maybe, like, five or six. So, to me, it was just natural. It was normal. And my uh-huh. parents did a great job that when they weren't at work, we mm-hmm. did a lot of family stuff together. So, we'd go play tennis together. Mm-hmm. We'd uh, – 
just interact. Anytime we visited my dad's family in Florida, we played basketball together. Mm -hmm. We played football together. So we were just naturally an active family. And even today, my mom always says the family that plays together stays together. So it wasn't a, a foregone conclusion that you would go into the family business. No, I actually I loved working out and being active, but I actually wanted nothing to do with the actual clubs when mm-hmm. I was, you know, maybe it was younger because when I was younger, the clubs represented something that took my parents away. To my parents' credit, as busy as they might have been, they never missed any games. And in, in my entire, I played basketball at the University of Maryland. My entire college career, mm-hmm. home and away games, they only missed one, and that was because there was a blizzard and they could not get down oh, to North Carolina. that is a pretty that good excuse. Yeah. Now, you were a real Cracker Jack player, weren't you? Yeah, I, was, I, I guess so. Like, I, I was fortunate enough where I got a full ride to the University of Maryland, mm-hmm. played, and I was fortunate while I was at Maryland. I loved it there. I was fortunate to play two years mm-hmm. at Cold Field House under Coach Weller, who had been the Maryland's women's basketball coach for 26 years. Mm-hmm. And then I also was fortunate enough to play two years at Comcast Center, which is a new arena, mm-hmm. and with Coach Brenda Freeze, which is the current coach as well. So I've got got the best of both worlds. I got, mm-hmm. kind of got both eras. And I was at Maryland when the men won their national championship on the, book, on the basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, the football team was going to bowl games. Mm-hmm. We were on the up and up. Wow. The women's team won the national championship in 2006, two years after I graduated. Wow. So I feel very yeah, Brenda fortunate. Yeah, on, on commercials now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Coach, Coach Freeze is doing great things. I mean, she she had a vision from the from the moment her staff set foot on campus. I remember mm-hmm. them telling us that we're going to win a national championship. We are going to mm-hmm. do it. It might not be you guys, but what you're doing right now is building the foundation and the building blocks. Wow, does that make you feel important? Yeah. So you realize, you know what? What we're doing is going to pay off. And, yeah, it would be great if we had the opportunity to. But if they do it down the road, we were able to contribute. Right. And, yeah. And, I mean, they won it literally two years after we graduated. So we <laughs> started building. I mean, I do believe that what we did in my junior and senior year contributed well, to our success. And they got us all championship rings as well. Oh, oh, you guys got them. Wow. That's cool. That is very cool. Yeah. But you made a choice. We were talking about this earlier. Um, you're You're – pretty much a natural athlete because you chose basketball when you had other options. And I don't want to go too much into this, but you could have gone the tennis route. You were that good at, yeah. at a young age, at 15 or 16, and you chose not to. Now, this is not your parents' choice. This was yours. Yeah, it was 100% mine, and my parents were fortunate enough where they always supported whatever decisions I made, but they also provided me with the tools so that right. I could make a, a right good decision because they're life-changing yeah. decisions. Right. They gave you the information to make an educated, informed decision. So I think it's very interesting why you chose basketball. Yeah, I think um, at the time I, I, I just realized how much fun I had playing. And mm-hmm. I did have fun playing tennis and I was doing well, but it, it is a, it can be very tough and grueling to be out there by yourself and the mm-hmm. lifestyle changes you have to make. And realizing my, my parents kind of, I will never forget we sat on our patio, drew up on a dry erase board, mm-hmm. the positives and negatives of me moving away. I was going to move away to Chris Everett Tennis mm-hmm. Academy, wrote down all the positives, wrote down all the negatives. wasn't the same when I saw that list, I realized. Okay, you're going to work on your throat for a minute. Now, she talked to me about this before, so I can uh, say this. 
it's a very solitary lifestyle with tennis. Yeah, you've got your entourage around you, but you're out there on the field by yourself. It's much more fun to be around a whole team. I mean, and it feels more supported and uh, just not as many lifestyle changes. So in general, just for you, a better choice. Yeah, and at the time as well, I was getting a lot of letters from colleges for Mm -hmm. basketball, and I was only playing maybe one or two basketball tournaments a year, Mm -hmm. and I was still getting all these looks. I was like, wow, basketball, that would be pretty cool to finish out high school, Uh win a couple more um, league titles with my high school team, Uh go to prom, do the the (laughs) things that most high school kids get to do. That's right. You wouldn't have been able to do that. And, And been able to play college basketball. And you kept going with basketball after school. Yeah, I was fortunate enough. I was able to play in Australia for about a year and a half. And I played in the Philippines for a couple months. My grandmother's Filipina, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. I mean, it was just too tough for me to live over there at the time. If I was 22 or 23, I probably would live over there for a couple of years. Uh-huh. But it was just too late. I knew I wanted to, like, establish my life in America. Yeah. Okay, so you came back. And did you immediately go back into the business when I came back from Australia, and I came back here, and my parents were like, well, Vic, you know, you're back in America. you got to make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a job opening at our new location. We're opening up in Reisterstown, a, a sales position, a membership uh-huh. position. What do you want to do it? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, look, regardless of whether you're going to work for us or someone else, you should learn how to sell or learn our sales process because there's skills that you could take for you. And that's true. To any anywhere in life. So I, I went through our sales training, mm-hmm. learned the sales process, and then started selling and absolutely fell in love with it. And for me, it was almost as if it was a game. This was the interesting part, the, the feeling that it gave you. It gave me butterflies in my stomach where I would wake up and go to work, and I felt like I was waking up on game day. And I feel like most athletes post Sport career struggle uh-huh. to find that adrenaline rush and struggle to imagine, find yeah. something that gives them that high. And my parents always talked about that, that fire in the belly, that uh-huh. passion, that excitement. You do what you love, love what yeah. you do. And I knew that, I, I knew even when I was 25 years old, I'm like, wow, I'm getting up and going to work and working like 12-hour days <laughs> and loving it and loving the adrenaline rush. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is my calling. Like This is what See, I'm meant to do. As a point guard, my position was to set people up uh-huh. in positions to be successful. When you pass the ball to someone, uh-huh. you want to make sure you're giving them the ball at the right time where they're uh-huh. going to be successful. And as a general manager, same thing. You want to set people up in positions to be successful. But I think that's one of the great things, too, is that I'm able to make it fun. I feel like the company makes it fun as well so that you don't really feel like you're grinding it out to hit these deadlines. And yeah. you work together as a team to achieve to achieve a goal, and, and mm-hmm. it's I love it. It's fun. Well, I have a friend who works there who says it is fun. Well, it's funny. There's a misconception when I tell people that I manage a gym. People think that I work out all day or that I train people. A lot of people don't realize it's actually running a business. Do you get a chance to work out? I do. I'm fortunate where I live a mile away from our Perdonia. Their website. Yeah, you can check out our website. Yeah, and brickbodies.com. And, oh, you have a Planet Fitness, too, don't you? We do. A couple, maybe two or three years ago, my parents kind of saw, again, a blue, blue ocean, the state of the industry. Mm-hmm. So 
especially, I think they might have been either right before the recession happened. I don't think the, people know what blue ocean means. Um, untapped water, okay. um, uh, an opportunity that no one has really right. ventured into. Right. Um, so my parents had the opportunity to to buy France, Planet, Fit, the Planet Fitness franchise, which uh-huh. is a $10 a month budget club, bare bones, um, low overhead. This is the Southwest Airlines version. Yeah. And we have good service. We just don't have a lot of staff well, to do this. That's thing. not the, the job of this place. I have never seen as much aerobic equipment. I mean, machines. Yeah, cardio <laughs> out the wazoo. And some people just need that. And what they yeah. feel like, they need it for two reasons. One, to um, kind of use it as a competitive advantage. And two, to help to um, really target the deconditioned. Because in reality, only 15 to 18% of Americans belong to a health club. Really? Yeah. So, what the thought of with Planet Fitness is that it creates such a low barrier of entry. Mm-hmm. There's no risk, no contract. That's true. It might help to target that other 80%. This has been Vicki Brick. It's just been so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Again, this is Susan Share of In Other Words. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye-bye. In Other Words. In Other Words.